Blog Talk Radio. Aloha, welcome to Talking Pictures. I'm your host, Paul Booth. Sorry, knocked over my cup of water there, but it's okay. Because here we just roll with it. And as always, we have a, a wonderful guest lined up for you. Um, Quincy Rose, who was on last week with uh, Lee Lou. Um, both of them have, well, Quincy's film, we're going to get into his films coming out in October and Lee Lu has a film on uh, video on demand and we sat, we sat around and we talked, uh, movies instead of doing these, um, not these, uh, instead of doing our, uh, promo interviews or talking about a film festival. I love these episodes because I feel like I get to get a free master's class from a great director who has something out there that's hitting. Uh, we got a couple of guests, right? We got four or five guests right now that have releases this month. A few that have releases next month. Um, some have theatrical releases. Uh, so we're always grateful to be a part of that. And, uh, uh, once I get past this statement, I'll introduce uh, Quincy Rose to you guys. Um, today we're going to talk about his friend, his film titled Friends, Effing Friends, Effing Friends. And again, that's E-F-F-I-N-G. So actually, I don't really care because I don't censor shit. So um, welcome, Quincy. How are you today? Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on the show again. How's it going today? It's going good. It's very, very hot in California, but other than that, it's it's going good. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. We're having a very lovely uh, fall weather out in uh, New York, and it's beautiful. It's cloudy, which is perfect uh, for me, and it's a little cool, so you can wear – everybody's kind of rushing to wear their cardigans and uh, – uh, uh, a little prematurely because it, it does get a little warmer in the daytime hours, but everybody's very excited for fall here. Oh, yeah. I, I've only been in um, May, and then I guess I did go in September, but I was only there for like two days. I saw a Mets game and then did something else, and then I was out of town. But um, I've I've never gotten any form of the extreme winter or extreme summer heat wave or any of those things, so... I guess I yeah. Each which, yeah, well, lucky. I mean, sometimes the extreme winter can be fun. The extreme heat is never fun, but the uh, the fall and the spring, when you get a true fall day and it's you know in the 60s and there's leaves on the ground and it's a little gray, maybe it rained earlier and it's not raining anymore, and you you're in the streets and you're walking around and the people, you know, it's just a real. It's uh, probably been impressed in my mind from so many filmmakers that that's what New York is all about. Kind of like uh, all the Parisian films I've seen, put it in your head that what Paris is. And, you know, when you go there, it feels like you're in a movie basically, but that's such a way of putting it. That's why I like, uh, like Godard's uh, band outsiders. And of course the 400 blows. Um, it really, I really do. Like when you were just saying New York makes you feel like a movie location. I my first trip to New York, I actually like made a list in my head of where my favorite films had been filmed and like went on a location tour. Yeah, 
I felt yeah, yeah. I felt so I felt so geeky. I went in the Waldorf Astoria and and the guy was like, "Can I help you?" Because I was really dressed like down. And I said, "Oh no, just this is the lobby where Al Pacino walked through and was with Chris O'Donnell." And he was just like, "Huh?" And I was like, "Okay, bye." So <laughs> there's my little that's my little New York story. So I do yeah, have. Yeah. Uh, you're in um you're in Brooklyn, correct? At the present moment, I am in Brooklyn, and, and uh, okay. I do have a I have a place in Brooklyn. I do. Okay, cool. Because I had a I just decided that today every day uh, to set up the mic, I put a instead of putting it on the desk or wherever, I decide to put it on a DVD. So today, since you have that uh, Brooklyn, I have Dog Day Afternoon under the mic. Oh, so man. yes, uh, I think the best film made in Brooklyn ever, but that could be another show. Um, so today, <laughs> friends effing friends effing friends, um, I yes. do have, uh, just bear with me, because I do have actually um, uh, the PR page where I have your uh, uh, stuff from Mr. Jonah, and then I have yes. your Facebook page and the other one open. So if it takes me a second to get to something. Um, so what I wanted to do no was... This is, this is, I've read this before. First of all, I want to read you guys a couple of, of pull quotes. Um, those of you that don't know what it is and we're, we're not being condescending. Um, uh, those little things you see on posters or DVDs or w- when they put them on movie trailers. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter calls Quincy Rose's work if Woody Allen and Albert Brooks had a baby. Uh, most of you might say Albert Brooks who he's the guy in taxi driver who's at the desk with Sybil Shepherd. And then he made great films like the muse mother, uh, finding comedy in the Muslim world. Um, there's so many great things. Uh, well, well we uh, got to hit his, his, his biggest ones, which are actually uh, modern romance and lost in America, which are uh, two of the greatest comedies and romantic comedy ever made. Historical. Oh yes, Lost in America. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's just groundbreaking. But it's and then also Defending Your Life is like one of the funniest movies ever. And he's also in Broadcast News, which we discussed when we were uh, talking yeah. with uh, Lee. But uh, yeah, excellent filmmaker. That's right. Uh, there was there was one time where I, I was bummed because it was for like two days. Netflix had like six of his films up and and I went to get back to defending your life and you know how they do that down up down up thing and it always seems to be the one you want to watch but anyways um, yeah friends effing friends uh San Francisco Chronicle congratulations on that uh, uh acknowledgement sexually frank a more serious romantic comedy um I uh this is now we're going to mention the release and then I want to get into something you said in your director's comment. Uh, this was the Manhattan film festival winner, best feature romantic drama. Now, unless I'm not right, is it, didn't Rainey like win best comedy? She won best romantic comedy, best feature romantic comedy. I won best feature romantic drama. Um, oh, okay. Which is where which is where I actually met Rainey. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, we're talking about Rainey Kerwin, who wrote and directed uh, the Wedding Invitation, a, a really fun film that she stars in too, and is great. Uh, and I know you have spoken to her 
and uh, yeah, reviewed and the movie. Yeah, she was on but, the show the other day. I'm, you know, I, there's almost, I mean this totally jokingly, like we joked before, I'm almost just going to be like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to see a movie. So um, I'm glad, <laughs> see, this was what, the, the only reason why I mentioned Rainy, not to take away from your time, was that uh, one, one goal that, that we had when we started the show was, was I was thinking, we're always, like, I thought, ever, I, know so, so I've, I know so many people in different cities, I thought, there's got to be a way that even if it's just talking film, to bring them together. So when I see that, like, two guests have won a festival or guests met at a festival or it's really, really cool to have them both on the show because that was, like, literally our entire purpose. So that was the only reason why I mentioned that. Um, you closed out Film Invasion L.A., Chicago Film Festival, uh, Comedy Film Festival. Yeah, and, that's coming up, actually. Oh, that's coming up. Okay. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll be, uh, and I believe the date, uh, don't hold me to this, because their festival takes place over three days of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I think we're on the Saturday of, like, November 11th. I'll, I'll have all that information available as soon as I have it exact, but I think we're November 11th at, like, 8 p.m. or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, Chicago Comedy Film Festival, yeah. Okay, and let's see. After one more thing, we'll jump into your uh, social media. Oh, so CineQuest, can... yeah. Yeah, and then CineQuest. Um, and then now I'll just do a quick jump to uh, mention the social media. Um, you can follow on Facebook, Quincy Rose Films, Friends, Effing Friends, Effing Friends. Again, that's the word Effing, E-F-F-I-N-G. Um, I would love to see the French cover of this film. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Quincy Rose Films, Friends Effing Friends. Instagram, Quincy Rose Films, Friends Effing Friends. Quincy also has another film, Miles to Go, that you can check out, follow on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you are no doubt um, going to be stoked when you see this uh, um, film. I was the, that top poll quote we talked about, Woody Allen and Albert Brooks. Um, I was just loving it. And I was thinking this guy finally found some sort of a new spin on a Woody Allen film. You know, we talked about that the other day with Lee. And so in your uh, filmmaker's comment here, um, you talk about the squid and the whale and you talk about husbands yeah. and wives. Uh, husbands and wives, of course, is, uh, I remember it being real shaky, so it's not a film I can watch anymore because I have epilepsy, so I have a hard time with films that are, like, real handheld and, like, a lot of cl- close-ups. Um, but, so, so because I was so familiar with The Squid and the Whale before we did our film talk, or I watched it the day before, uh, you know, that's a really interesting mix because that's, like, you know, they're both the falling apart, but they're just the different dynamics of falling apart. So how did you, it almost makes me say, like, why those and how it compares to your film? Oh, well, actually, I don't really, I know I said those things, but I don't really remember the exact uh, context that I was talking. Oh, firstly, also, anybody who was confused listening to all those miles to go, friends of friends, this Twitter and, uh, you know, uh, social media stuff. The easiest way to find any of my social media is to just go to quincyrosefilms.com and everything is listed there. It's very easy. So that's one thing. But getting back to your question about Squid and the Whale and, and uh, 
uh, husbands and wives. Um, well, you know, uh, I, th- I think I'm talking, I don't remember exactly in which context I mentioned Squid and the Whale. Squid and the Whale is a very important film to me personally. Uh, it's a, uh, Noah Baumbach. Um, he's uh, one of my favorite filmmakers and uh, actually the person whom I believe is truly uh, carrying, if, if I could refer to it as the Woody Torch, uh, I think there's a few filmmakers out there who, who do it very well. I think he does it in, his, in the most unique and um, specifically his own voice, yet uh, heavily uh, maybe influenced by, I think Noah Baumbach does that. But uh, The Squid and the Whale is just an important film to me because um, when I saw that, I, I don't remember the year it came out, uh, which neither here nor there, but I saw it in the theater, um, and it was it was I related to it so much from a just personal standpoint. But then visually, and everything it was showing was so exciting to me, and interesting to me, and you know, like fresh, and uh, it just really inspired me to want to pick the pen back up and get back into my writing, which I had slacked off on. Um, a little bit prior to that. And it kind of lit a little fire under my, my butt to, to do that. And then, so that's more what that is specifically uh, related to, you know, me, but, and then the, the husbands and wives really, there's a very similar story arch uh, story arc. If you look at um, the storyline between husbands and wives and, friends up and friends up and friends from a very stripped down general way, not from a, what happens specifically in the movie. Uh, and uh, I don't want to like just give the film away because I'm hoping oh, people course, like yeah, to yeah. go watch it. But there are certain elements that I pulled from um, uh, and, and that I also applied to the film. But, uh, and it's shot handheld entirely. And uh, it's about relationships and people trying to, you know, work things out. And so it's more when I say these kind of things, I'm not sure if I said I had influenced me or it was inspirational or whatever it was. Uh, you, you know, it's really more just drawing upon things that you think about before you watch, uh, before you make your film or uh, some filmmakers like to not watch things as they lead up to shooting their film. Uh, I like to watch a lot of things uh, as I lead up to shooting my films. Um, I, I find it can uh, get me out of a, a jam if I'm on set and for some reason we're struggling and can't come up with a solution. And I think to myself, wait a minute. And husbands and wives, when they had the camera here and the there and the this and the that, what if they walk, you know, and I just apply it, which, uh, you know, um, uh, in other words, it's almost like, you know, film preparation, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, I, I just remember uh, loving Sidney Pollack in that movie. Oh, he's fantastic um, in that. Everybody's yeah, he's fantastic such a, in that. He's such a good actor. Um, another thing we could have all podcasts about is movies, Woody Allen movies where people are cheating. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the other thing that and I want to say oh, here. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, it just occurred to me, and the character that Judy Davis plays in the film uh, was very inspirational tonally for the character that uh, is in Friends of Friends of Friends called Laura, uh, who's played by uh, the wonderful Jillian Lee. And so not for her to do an imitation of her or rip her off, but just, just so I could explain more clearly 
tonally where this person was coming from. Um, and then uh, she could do her own interpretation and do her, whatever she wanted to do. But that was one of the other direct inspirations I drew from. Uh, but sorry for cutting off for that. Oh, no worries. No worries. I, I was just saying here that um, in your, in this statement here, um, let's see that. Let me find the line. Uh, okay. So you were, you were focusing on themes working through in life. I, and I find I'm really surprised that you wrote this because I've never heard a guy admit to this. Um, you said I've been cheated on and I have been the cheater. It is so easy as a human to justify a flawed decision or action or to write it off as, well, she did that. So I'm doing that. So of course I'm not going to ask you anything personally. You don't have to say anything personally. Um, but uh, I've, you know, what I thought was interesting about your film and what I like about any film that has, cheating is that I'm like, you know, any guy, we've had that one story or that one situation and, you know, we either go in therapy or we don't. And then, uh, but in all honesty, I've never cheated. I've just ended it with a girl before it got there. And yeah. so that's why I kind of love in the way that a sci-fi or a, a Jurassic Park is because we don't see dinosaurs. I kind of like your your film was that much more fun for me because I was like, I wouldn't do this. Like I I, I have just enough willpower as a man to walk out of the room, and that's what's yeah. kind of weird. Like I can totally understand the situations. I have friends that have told me just endless stories, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like I I understand that's the point of no return. So um, I just want to say that I, I that that was something that will bring out a part in the in the viewers where you stand on certain things and that's what I wanted to commend you for doing because I think ultimately that's the most important thing um for a writer to do is to get you to think about something even if it even if it's one thing that you're thinking about on the way to the uh car or now video on demand to put your wine away um, let's see. You're curious as the chords it can hit. You might find yourself shifting from who you are in favor of. See, so like, I guess what I was just saying, I should have shut up and just kept reading. Reading now. Um, is there a specific? Uh, plus, you guys got to go. This is a, a really cool poster. Um, I uh, one thing I like to do, uh, Quincy, is I like to, in just small ways, give a few minutes to the team because. Uh, as you well know, oh, there's, there's that gargantuan misperception in film that, uh, you know, you know, but somebody would say, oh, well, Quincy shot the film and he ran the bagels on craft services. And he, and I know you edited and wrote and produced, but I mean, so this, this poster, um, because it is just so catching and such a great poster, and I've noticed where we, I think we both know we've grabbed thousands of films based on the poster alone um, that you just look at and go, Oh, this probably looks good. And for some reason, in my experience, seven or eight out of 10 times, it was good. And it was like, how did the poster, like, I wouldn't read the synopsis. I would just be like, Oh, I want to watch this because the poster. So what was yeah. your, what was your, what was your going for in this? And you can find this online, everyone. So we're not talking about something that's just going to be a conversation between us. Please go to his website and check this out. Yeah, and you could also go to uh, the Friends Upping Friends Upping Friends Movie dot com website. So it's the title of the film and then the word movie. So Friends Upping Friends Upping Friends Movie dot com and see it. 
But um, and also you could just probably put in the words from the ground and find it somewhere. But um, the well, okay. So when you're doing a, a, the challenge of doing a poster is to represent the film properly uh, to entice an audience's interest and to uh, you know uh, hopefully convey a little bit of what the story is. Uh, and um, in this case. Uh, I had been trying different poses. It's very funny because I had a similar situation with Miles to Go, which I'll talk about at a later time. But, but when doing the posters, I have a tendency to lean towards the obscure, towards the uh, very French, New Wave-ish, European, you know, uh, um, kind of uh, um, style in where I might actually personally choose an image that, might not like might tell the same story, but very more subtly. And so I actually created what I was thinking would be the poster. And I now refer to it as the second official poster or the faces poster, which I plan on using in any country where the film cannot have the poster. That's uh, maybe it's too risque uh, for certain countries. Let's say if uh, I, I know places like China and, and different places are, are picky about what's on the cover. But this particular cover, I had been searching and doing this other poster, which you can also see online. And um, uh, it's, more, it's more like of an, art, an art house poster. And then my girlfriend Angelica Zolo uh, said, um, well, uh, what about this image? And uh, I immediately, uh, just like what happened with my Miles to Go original poster before we made this secondary poster upon release, but the same thing. Somebody else made a suggestion, what about this image? And it immediately made sense. And then my man, Josh Hammond, uh, a a Photoshop illustrator out here and a uh, graphic designer and among other things, uh, he um, built the poster for us based on the images we selected and and, uh, he presented some font choices and stylistic things, but... uh, so it was really just having intelligent people around who made good choices for me and being aware uh, that they were good choices, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, um, I, I love the way you're explaining that because I, it's definitely, um, I mean, 100%. Uh, I've said it a, a hundred times on air. I don't tell filmmakers anything they want to hear, um, but it, it is the kind of poster that I would grab had I not heard of it. Um, I do love the idea that this is like, uh, like you said, this is pushing what other countries wouldn't use. Uh, this does make me think of uh, definitely a French film. And that was the other thing that I really liked about it was when uh, when Jonas sent it to me, I just looked at the title and did, kind of it wrote it off in my friend, my my head. And then I went, Wait a minute, this film makes, I thought, oh, I thought, if if anything, I'm going to enjoy this because I hate to say it's about effing, but um, I was like, I was like, this director is really going somewhere with this title and this, uh, and this image. And obviously it's the San Francisco Chronicles, you know, taking a look at it. And so um, for me, I was, you know, I've watched it two or three times. And of course we did that discussion review, um, our co-producer loved it and 
the thing that I want to say about that for the audience is that this film, um, uh, I guess I could say it has a, um, I don't remember, pardon me, what, what age, I don't remember that it ever being said what age the characters are, but the great thing that Quincy did was, and that, and, and then after this, please tell me the characters ages and we can get into that was that, uh, I watched it. I'm 37 and, our co-producer who watched it is 71 and we had like the same exact feelings, the same exact thoughts. And, you know, that's really what could be awesome about a film when it can reach someone who, you know, is 71 years old was, you know, 20 when the Vietnam war was going on, you know, remembers president Kennedy getting shot. And then, you know, we have our things that we see and, are headed towards, we won't get into the presidential campaign. So with that, Quincy, um, sorry, I'm, it's so hard not to. Um, so basically, uh, if you can remind me, or, or if they're not supposed to be known, uh, feel free to say uh, the character's ages or what kind of, you know, part of uh, time period in life you were going for. Well, uh, yeah, you know, the the characters, let's just say, I don't even know exactly how old they are. Uh, I know how old the actors who play them are, but I won't reveal that. But I will say that the characters are a little too old to be behaving the way they are behaving. It's about a group of people who are clinging to the carefree, and I think I wrote this in some of the press notes or something, but I've definitely written this enough that I have it as like a slogan in my head and I can spew it out, but... Uh, the carefree and selfish ways of their youth. They're behaving in the manner that people might behave when they're 16 or 18, but they're not. So let's say they're somewhere between the upper 20s and somewhere into the 30s. And, uh, but they could, you know, and that's what they are. But they could be, and you see this behavior, especially today's day and age, in people who are in their 40s and 50s even, and we just seem to have a whole different outlook as a society. And um, um, uh, something you were, were mentioning earlier, I just want to touch upon, which was having a reaction. You know, the most important thing, I think, is that somebody has a reaction when they're looking at, I'll call it this, but I know it's a film and not necessarily an art house film or anything. It's not actually. But let's call all pieces of film art and whether you're drawing or painting or or playing music or making a film, you're looking for a reaction from whomever you're showing the film to. And whether they like it or hate it is not important to me. Uh, Of course, it's more pleasurable if they like it because then they don't curse you out and wish your death on Facebook (laughs) and stuff uh, and social media. But at the same time, um, it's better that somebody looks and watches a film and has a reaction not just, oh, this film is crap. I don't like it because the film is crap. Like, if they're like, ah, oh, these characters are making me so angry. Oh, why are they making you angry? Well, you know, actually, I had a girlfriend cheat on me when I was 26, and it broke. It should, this is reminding me of that. Great. Or I can't believe people would behave this way. It's despicable or whatever. That's great. Um, because that means it feels real and that's what you're reacting to. And, and my goal personally beyond, you know, uh, in this particular film, I was hoping it would be done with uh, 
the uh, inclusion of laughter as well. But something I'm always going for is, uh, I'll use a very uh, obnoxious word that I adore, uh, is verisimilitude. Uh, And in other words, I'm trying to create the illusion of reality in everything I make. Um, Some people, like you said, are trying to create fantasy to life. They're trying to take dinosaurs and make them feel real in a human setting. Uh, In my case, I and I like those films too, and I use them to escape. Uh, I watch other people's films and stuff. But what interests me more, more than anything is when things feel realistic and real. And that's what I think, um, even if there's a heightened sense of uh, reality and it's kind of playing in a little land of make-believe, I still like it to be grounded in reality. And I think that's what your co-producer um, was relating to at, at whatever age he is and why an 18-year-old may not relate exactly because they might be too young, but they might get the idea of it. But more, it seems, people in their upper 20s and their 30s and in their 40s or older can really get a grasp of. But, um, you know, uh, that was a long way of telling you the characters in the film are in their 30s and late 20s. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, that's really that. Well, so so you guys know... um, It's so funny how on the internet now how we can have like six windows open at once. Um, So if you are listening to the show, you you can't. Well, I wouldn't. I'd say go to YouTube after the show because you're gonna need to hear the words. Um, Just YouTube the title "Friends Effing Friends Effing Friends." There's a great trailer that's also on the uh, website. Um, Another question I had here as I was reading through. Let me real quickly since you're commenting on the trailer. Let me just give uh, praise to my co-editor on the film, uh, Scott Schuler, uh, a New York-based filmmaker and editor, um, who, uh, while he co-edited the film with me, he entirely edited the trailer. I mean, of course, I made producerial decisions uh, in the end and stuff like that, but he edited the trailer, and it's a wonderful trailer. Um, and uh, I, I really, you know, there's nothing like a good trailer uh, and, and, I, and I hope that between the poster and the trailer, the poster should hope, the visual of the poster should hope, hopefully stop people while they're flipping through iTunes and whatnot, the VOD channels to, to poster covers. And then the name should go, oh, what's this about? I think I know what it's about. And then if they watch the trailer, hopefully it'll be enticing. Um, I, I think Scott did a wonderful job. Anyway, I digress. Oh no no that's no that's great we we're um there's nothing that bugs me more than filmmakers that act like they did it all so I I love that you uh, mentioned that now on internet movie database of course yes uh, film buffs uh, filmmakers historians everyone loves to get in there and say oh that shouldn't have gotten us this or that but what I want to say is is that uh, this got an eight point three. And um, I, I think I had told you when I was on air with, I, I, maybe I did it. No, I think it was when I was interviewing Lee was that she had an 8.3 and Citizen Kane had an 8.1. And so I'm not remotely saying that I started this, but um, I had this little, I have this little conspiracy theory going and I'm not this crazy or anything. So don't hang up after I say this. But after I started, like, telling people, hey, I saw this film that has a higher rating than Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane huh. changed from an 8.1 to an 
Look at that. You got people what? inspired to go on and uh, and go on and vote. You know, a lot of it has a lot of it has to do with how many people are voting. If you only have ten people giving it a rating, it's based on the average. So uh, that's why quite often, if you watch a film on Netflix where you know two million people have watched it, it might have a six point eight or something, and uh, and then some independent film that nobody's ever heard of has a hundred percent because you know, it's just only five people rated it. So it's, it doesn't really mean anything, but I guess there is some sort of law of average that generally it means the, the majority of the people who watched it are at least enjoying it a little bit. Um, but if I may real quickly, just on the subject of not making the film alone, I'd like to just quickly touch upon, and maybe you were going to get to this, but I'd like to just say real quickly, since I'm talking about it, uh, that we had a wonderful cast uh, led by Tyler Dawson, um, at, which also included as co-stars Christina Gooding, who plays Sarah, Jillian Lee, who plays Laura, Graham Skipper, who plays Steve, uh, uh, Vanessa Dubasso, uh, who plays Camille, and then it features a, a, a wonderful actress who was very brave, and I won't give it away why, but you'll see it if you see the film. She's very funny and sweet, and her name is Susie McCopin, uh, or maybe she pronounces it McCopin, I never know, and I've known her for years. And then uh, I do a voice in it, but that's no big deal. But, um, and then some of the key crew members who we could not have made the film with, I could not have made it without, was uh, my um, cinematographer, Howard Wexler, my DP, uh, and he was just fantastic. He's done almost 150 films or maybe more. Um, Scott Schuler, my co-editor, uh, um, just some key people. Victor Warren, my co-producer. John Schuweiler, my line producer, who also did some producing, uh, Terrence Grace, uh, who did a lot of work on the film, uh, including he was my first AD. And then there's many other people uh, that, that I won't read everybody's name, but you can look it all up, see it on the website, see it on IMDb. But just those are the real uh, top, top uh, people that I, I just absolutely needed to make this film uh, or who I worked with on this film. Um, so thanks for letting me say those things real quickly. Oh yeah, no, no problem. I mean, the the thing that I I'm glad that you brought that up because on there's a um, on the Internet Movie Database there's a in under photos this will illustrate what why what I'm gonna say about the cast. Um, there's a photo of you guys at CineQuest, and of course, uh, not in a bad way, but it I always find it interesting when you. I mean, we know that it's makeup and we know that it's lights and we know that, you know, it, it goes for men and women. I mean, I've, I've met some male movie stars that are look just as good in the movie as they do just sitting on set talking about, you know, whatever. And then some females that, you know, we won't get into that debate about how much they have to overdo it. But this actress that you have to me that kind of remo- reminds me of Jodie Foster, um, like in like a taxi driver, Jodie Foster, but obviously she's not 12. But what I really liked, huh. I remember when I was watching your film, and I'm so glad that I'm getting to bring this up because I've never gotten a chance to watch a film and ask this of a director, is having, when you have a really uh, beautiful women in your cast and you don't opt to go for 
you know, what they're making you feel as a writer or what even as a human, like you can't control if you think someone's pretty. So like, how do you completely turn off and go, okay, I'm not going to exploit that. I could just put the angle over here and she'd be twice as good looking and maybe it would get some more viewers and it, you know, like how, what's the process? I've always wondered what the process of that is. Uh, Well, I mean, I can't, talk for everybody I I that just doesn't interest me those kind of things so I'm always like I said I'm looking for a realistic expression of life so in life uh you don't always have the best angle and so um unless I'm doing a very specific shot where it's a close-up and uh I need the person dead on to be aesthetically you know uh established uh in in a specific way um and, and that could go for the male or the female. Um, I'm not interested in, in making people look beautiful. Uh, I think people are beautiful in general for many different reasons. And we don't all agree on what makes somebody beautiful. Somebody thinks somebody with a big nose is beautiful. Somebody thinks that's terrible and they like a small nose. Somebody likes a really skinny person. Somebody likes somebody with a little extra weight on them. They like tall people, short people, redhead. So I'm not really interested in that. That's more of like what an actor gets concerned with. Like, oh, but am I going to be over here or am I over here? Do I look okay from, how's my, you know, how's my face? How's my beard? Is it shaved right? Is it, you know, like, but those aren't things I concern myself with, generally speaking. Um, So uh, there's no consideration of it. I don't ever sit there and think, uh, well, if we move the camera to this angle, they look better. Now I do think, they not talking beauty look better, but aesthetically the shot, Oh, the shot looks better this way. Great. We move the camera or this isn't funny. This angle, I move the camera Um, because quite often the same scene run the exact same way. Interestingly enough, if the camera is here in one place, it's not funny. And then you just move the camera a little over. You haven't changed the lens. They're not doing anything more to make it bigger or larger, the same exact performance. And for some reason, the camera over here makes it funnier. Uh, I I don't know why, uh, but it's so. And um, so, yeah, so I I, I couldn't answer the question exactly how you posed it, but that's a a different answer for that same question. Um, Oh, no, I mean, that's, to me, there's, it's, it's, you know, whatever the answer is uh, works because, uh, I definitely am not going to tell someone how to answer a question. Um, but yeah, yeah that's, yeah, sure, sure. I, 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 you know, like I, that's what I cannot stand about talk show hosts. It makes me nuts when they like tell, uh, tell someone what a movie's about or what their performance was about, or it just, um, so let's see. Another thing is now, um, it says it on IMDb. So I'm assuming that's more public than me saying it, but, uh, when it says October 11th, it also says theaters. So is it, is it, are you having a multi-city what? theatrical? It says, uh, coming soon in theaters, October 11th. October 11th. Uh, yeah. Is, it, is it just that. video on demand? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just video on demand. I mean, I don't, I don't know where you're looking. Um, I know you said IMDb. Uh, right, I right, right under, right under the post, right under the poster what, what, on your, on your IMDb page. It says coming oh. soon in theaters, October yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't even know. But yeah, I mean, it, it'll be out October 11th on VOD uh, in North okay. America. Um, and uh, like I said, we are playing Chicago Comedy Film Festival in November. So uh, 
that'll be in a theater in Chicago, which will be exciting. Um, and, oh, you know what? I, you were saying something beforehand, which uh, I, I put a little note down, and you were talking about the subject matter and all of that stuff at the beginning and cheating and not having cheated but being close and, uh, but, or had the idea but never actually doing it and um, as a youth. Um, but I just want to talk about that for a second because when, one of the things that's interesting to me about this film uh, is – well, A, it can be very easily, um, not if you watch it, I don't think, not if you're very objective, but, but if you just look at it, the cover, and oh, it's just a sex comedy. Well, yeah, I mean, there's sex in it, and there may even be a lot of sex in it, but uh, um, my intention with it, it was never to be a sex comedy. It was definitely to have, like, a realistic uh, excursion in the sexual world of relationships, um, but to hopefully uh, kind of bring up those conversations that you were saying it brought up afterwards that you're talking about. But I wanted it to make people think like, well, what is cheating? And when do you actually cheat? And you mentioned the words crossing that line, but when did you actually cross the line? Is, are you saying the line is a physical line? Yeah. I think most people would agree that if you don't physically go there, you're probably in a better position than somebody did who's in a relationship However, there's also the emotional affair, there's, which, yeah. sometimes is, which sometimes is deemed as a greater um, evil because it's actually a connection, not just some physical thing you can write off as, a, as an, like, a, like, oh, I get it, you have hormones. Uh, it's like, no, you said you love <laughs> me, but you're connecting to this person. And so I just wanted to explore all of those things. I also wanted to explore the duality of people and how, you know, people aren't just bad. Like, I don't think anybody's terrible in this film. I think there's one character, I won't give it away, who maybe comes off as worse than the rest when we start. Who knows where he is at the end? But, you know, it's about how people can be really good to their one friend and bad to their girlfriend and great to their girlfriend but not good to their friend and then know something and be able to justify it. And it's justifications and it's, you know... Um, it's, it's, you know, self-centeredness run amok, you know, it's, it's these people who are really trying to find happiness and, uh, and are really not doing or going about it the right way. In fact, you could say they're going about it the opposite way that they should be. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not just a film about cheating. It's, 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 uh, it's just using that as a means to discuss other things and um, also to discuss cheating and, and to, to bring up that conversation as well. But, you know, I uh, just wanted to touch upon that while I remembered. Well, the, well, the emotional, the, the, what I, what I always find funny and, and I understand that it's a personal thing and it's a private thing and you wouldn't just sit at dinner and say, how was it banging your wife last night? But what I always find funny is that we're so, even if, say we're sorry I guess it doesn't apply to close friends close friends especially guys as we know will say anything but I've always found it funny that our biggest taboo topic is how our species continues and I think it's like you know of course we don't want to know what our parents did and why we're here but it's like it's there would be none of us but none of us will di- will discuss that. Like, we can't even just say, you know what? I was walking with my girlfriend the other night. We had a really nice kiss, and the sunset was out. 
or I kissed her after we saw the Rolling Stones in San Francisco, it's like, oh, that, that's just private. That, and, and so that, that's what, the, the, what came out for me with the film was that there was this kind of openness. And I know you were being open as a filmmaker. And of course, obviously, in any movie, char- not every character knows what every other character is doing. But I liked, I think the best comment uh, was the sexually frank thing, because what you just said about an emotional affair is, you know, I I can't even mention on air how many of those I've had. So so that's where it's kind of Well, people have those without even knowing it, you know? Uh, Yeah. Oftentimes, I think people... You know, you're, you're, these are, we're talking about people, if you're in a relationship, it's the only type of person who can cheat. If you're single, you're not cheating, you're just single. So if you're in a relationship for any amount of time, um, uh, especially if it's a longer period of time, there's different ebbs and flows within a relationship. And some people go through really difficult times. I'm not saying this happens to everybody or that it threatens everybody, but it's, it's the potential there. And, you know, there's a tendency if people get kind of static and stuck in a rut a little bit in their relationships and they, maybe they're arguing a lot or maybe they're not, maybe they're just kind of hit a little dull point where everything's the same and nothing's exciting or new anymore. And somebody at their workplace or somebody at the store or the or whatever it is, gives them a little bit of attention that sparks that little electricity in their brain that goes, Oh, that felt good. And even if it starts with a very simple, you know, platonic and uh, let's call it innocent flirtation of just that moment of like, oh, you have a nice smile. Oh, I do have a nice smile. Thank you. That felt good. And then next time you go into that restaurant, oh, hi, there you are. Hey, there you are. You know, and then, you know, you start talking or somebody's sad and you ask what's wrong and you're connecting in a way that's a little different and usually reserved for the person you're in a relationship with. Well, at some point you're going to cross a emotional line if that continues, which is why a lot of people just stay away from the opposite sex maybe, but that's not a solution really and shouldn't be. And we should all be able to, uh, uh, you know, control ourselves. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, but it is something that happens, uh, you know, in life and, and, uh, I wanted to kind of touch upon that here. And, and there's a character in particular who's having an emotional affair before anything physical happens with one of the other characters. And it's very clear, I think, as an outsider viewing it, but when you're in the mix of it, you're not thinking that way. You're, and, you know, it's just very much happening. And it's more something to reflect upon and understand, like hindsight's twenty twenty, than to... Uh, uh, and maybe you, when you do become aware of it, you kind of shoo it under the rug for a minute because you know what it feels good but um you know it's obviously very damaging and it can be and uh a lot of people can get hurt in these ways and and it's selfish and irresponsible and and all of those things but uh um you you know uh it's maybe a step further than the you know as long as i come home for dinner my wife doesn't care where I get my appetite, you know, that kind of ridiculous statement, which, <laughs> right. but, but, you know, but like people there's, you know, it really, but if you take away the misogyny in that statement and the ridiculous, because it's usually attributed yes. to a man, if you add it to just humans, like, like, Oh, a, a, a woman walking up the street might see a very handsome man and think, 
wow, that guy's very handsome. And then when she comes home, she's very attracted to her husband too. And she plants a nice kiss on him, not thinking of that man, but you know, he, that man awoke something in her uh, primally, you know, in her reptilian brain, it, you know, awoke something. Same with a man and his reptilian brain. She's a pretty girl. Oh, she's pretty. Goes home, kisses his wife. He's not thinking about that girl. Uh, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. That's not my business. But, you know, generally speaking, that's one thing. This is that other thing where, you know, people are crossing a line and actually getting involved in an emotional driven connection with somebody else. And, and in a sense, that's cheating. To some people, that's very bad cheating. You know, uh, it's, it's, other people it's, are like, I don't care. Yeah, well, I think that it's, uh, and I just know this from like just dead on personal experience. Um, see, like, you know, that joke we have where we fall into the friend zone. I was born yeah. in the friend zone. So like when I was huh. like 16, like girls were like changing in front of me and Oh, saying, and and that went on through like 15 years of my life. And my friends would say, Oh, poor you. And I'd be like, yeah, but they never wanted to do anything with me because they would say I was their brother. So I had to learn through female friends that things like if they talk to you more, that's more of a connection than them getting naked with you. Or if they hug you longer when they see you or, you know, whatever, if they talk to you for four hours on the phone, that that's more of a connection than just, you know, banging their husband after work. So I learned that from women telling me straight up, you know, like, because I would say, God, why doesn't this girl like me? And she talks to me for two hours, but then we haven't hooked up. And she's just like, they're just like, whoa, she's talking to you for two hours, like, leave it at that. So I think that's something that kind of plays into that girl guy. Yeah, and people, I think that has to do with just awareness and, uh, uh, you know, knowing what people's attentions are and, and uh, different things. But, no, that's, that's what you call a loophole. If, a, if there's a, a woman or a man that doesn't find you attractive uh, necessarily right out the gate, well, there's other ways to become attractive to people, and one of them is – by being somebody who's a good listener or a talker or whatever. And, uh, um, you know, so, but that's, I, I think that's for both sexes. I don't think it's exclusive to men. I think it might be something men take more advantage of, but I think it's, uh, uh, you know, there, it's definitely fair play for both sides. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that. but then there is that, people who, if you're talking about what you're talking about, that fall into the friend zone and it's always friend zone, you know, can't, I just, there's nothing's going to happen. And then they're, they're asking you to pick up their laundry or drive them to the airport or something. And you're, you're like, get your boyfriend <laughs> or your girlfriend to do that. You know, um, I, I'm, but, I'm, uh, the, I'm, the, I run the friend zone Quincy. So anything that you ever need to know about it, I'm, I could be a friend zone consultant. <laughs> And I think everybody's fallen into that at some point, you know. Uh, uh, it's just how it is. Oh, right. Yeah, no, it it is. I just, you know, it started for me at 16. I'm 37, so I'm kind of like, you know, 21 years is enough. Um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, there's one last thing I wanted to, that I had saw on the, um, oh, yeah, your, your cast. Uh, it, it was interesting because, um, Graham Skipper 
I I knew because I read the the names that it it, it was kind of interesting to me how he looks like Daniel Radcliffe. Huh. And um and uh well in this picture I mean I don't know I mean sure, it, sure. It, yeah yeah That's yeah funny. and so I was kind of thinking at first I was like oh this is I didn't I didn't pay attention to the you know I don't remember if the if there's opening credits or what and and um uh and so I just remember thinking like wow this is really cool like if we're gonna see this side of of the you know the wand sorcering kid who's trying to get out of that role. Um, but yeah, your cast was so great. I mean, you know, we, we just don't have the time to, uh, yeah. mention some of their credits, uh, but you really, uh, did a fantastic did a great job. job. Yeah, this yeah, was, yeah. Th- and you know, this was, this was a, this was a film, but the last thing that, that I want to say about it, and then, uh, we'll just plug the, um, social media one more time or Quincy can, yeah. uh, is that, um, you know, there's certain films that, that come along that, you know, we get lots of screeners and we kind of have a policy. If we don't like it, we don't talk about it on the air because it does nothing for art. It does nothing to trash somebody who's putting two years of their life into something, uh, especially most critics haven't made a film. I mean, I've made, I've produced five crappy features, but I've still produced five features. So um, I I don't call myself a critic. I say that I review films. So it's always pleasant to get something that you can kind of look at a couple of times because I have seen it twice. I think I want to watch it a third time now that we've talked about it so much. Um, So I just really, yeah, I really urge people to check this out. And it is a running time of 80 minutes. So don't throw in your baloney excuses if I don't have two and a half hours when I get off work. This is a... Um, just very well edited. There's not extra meat on the bone and you basically get what you're supposed to get. So that's what I really, uh, that's what I admired. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. Um, and there is opening title sequence just because you mentioned it earlier. Like, I don't remember, but there is one. And actually it's inspired by one of my favorite filmmakers and favorite films, uh, Francois Truffaut's 400 blows. Um, where he, in their opening titles, it's just shots of Paris and from a car's point of uh, window, just driving around. And uh, I needed yes. something to create the illusion of more um, of a larger scale film because, you know, when, and, uh, when your budget restricts you, uh, oftentimes your locations are restricted. But uh, one way we could open it up was by shooting a lot of Los Angeles from the car. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention is it does come out October 11th. Uh, on most VOD platforms in the North American areas, a lot in Canada, cable channels and all that stuff, video on demand, uh, obviously iTunes, Amazon, Google, all that stuff. Um, but at the moment, it is available for pre-order on iTunes uh, in North America and Canada. And uh, you can find those links on our website, on either my website. Uh, and we also, I wanted to mention, are being distributed by Gravitas Ventures, a very awesome independent film distributing company that I just love and I'm so pleased to be with. Uh, and uh, you can find the links to the pre-order. Uh, either you can Google it or you can go to quincyrosefilms.com and find Friends Upping Friends on that. Uh, or you can go Friends Upping Friends Upping Friends Movie.com and find the links there. Um, 
or you could probably just go to iTunes and Google friends. I mean, search for friends upping friends upping friends. But again, it's available right now for pre-order, and it'll be available to watch and own on uh, October 11th, which is a Tuesday. Um, and we're very excited to have this come out and have people see it, and uh, hopefully it'll get a nice run going and ramp up the, the sales charts so we can get some awareness for it. And, uh, uh, you know, love for everybody to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, you know, tell their friends and, and uh, uh, you know, enjoy the film, hopefully. Yeah, no, this is cool that it's coming out on October 11th. I'll I'll be in Canada, so if it comes, nice. through, uh, if my friends have any of the platforms, it's it looks it's a perfect sit down and have some wine movie. And then the last thing I want to say, we have three minutes left. A disclaimer to the great bonehead boyfriend out there who knows that the last guy destroyed his girl by cheating on her. Maybe save this movie for a time when she's in a good mood. Cause I like, I say that cause I have a father who like took my mother on the day that my grandmother died to see a movie and it was Eastwood's Grand Torino and it opened with a funeral. Huh. And my mom was like, are you, are we really not leaving? Like my mom died today and we're watching a movie about a funeral and like an old man <laughs> who just lost his wife. Like, and so I just say that to people sometimes with films, I just go, Hey, this film might work at a different time. Still see it, but don't see it if she just told you, you know, so I'm not going to say don't watch your film. I'm just going to say, you know, let there there is some cool emotional stuff in it that Quincy nailed. So, again, well, as always. Both thank, ways. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. The both girl, ways. For, the girl, for either sex, it doesn't really matter. And, and maybe if you're looking to get rid of your significant other and you did recently <laughs> go through some stuff, then definitely make them watch it with you. And uh, maybe it'll take care of your uh, exit, you know. Well, hey, you're inspiring me to go do my grocery shopping, but the girl I'm trying to have an emotional affair with doesn't work till like five usually. So, yeah, then hold thank off you on that. And, I, and thank you again, Paul, for having me on uh, uh, Talking Pictures. It's such a pleasure chatting with you, uh, and and uh, we really appreciate the exposure from being on your show. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you're very welcome. You know the deal. You're welcome back anytime. And, we, you know, like we talked, we'd love to meet you if I'm ever in New York or you're out here. So best wishes with October 11th. I'll be, uh, vanishing, in a few, I'll be vanishing in a few days to cover some festivals and bounce around the, the country. But, um, yeah, uh, I hope October 11th rocks, and I, I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. And one last thing, if I might, because I see we have one second. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, if anybody's interested in seeing some of my previous work, milestogothemovie.com. You can find all the links for it or at quincyrosefilms.com. And Miles to Go is available worldwide on most platforms uh, from Amazon Prime, where you can watch it for free, to iTunes, where you can rent it, Vimeo with French subtitles. In the UK, it's on flixpremiere.co. Uh, UK and uh, yeah, but you can search for it and uh, check that out and that's out now. So uh, uh, it'll, you can watch that 20 times until you uh, come to October 11th. Anyway, thanks for letting me plug away. (laughs) Oh yeah, no problem. No problem. You have a wonderful fall day. I'll enjoy the heat wave. You too, Paul. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Aloha.
Thank you, sir. Bye. Now that is our uh, second time that we've had the pleasure of having Quincy Rose on. Always fun. And we're going to wrap it up here as we got 10 seconds left. You know how it goes here at Talking Pictures. Aloha, but most of all, peace to all.